from the MZ Studios Dallas Virtual Studios in cyberspace, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings everyone, it's your co-host Ryan Trimble. Coming to you once again, WFH, coming to you live from the, the guest room at the Trimble household here. It's a lovely sight. Uh, joined today by a man who is pretty good at counting if anybody uh, needs anybody any help counting. He, of course, Sean Williams. Sean, good day, sir. Good day, Ryan Trimble. I've seen that as it relates to counting presidential ballots across the few states that are out that maybe we should line up the count from Sesame Street. There's some great memes out there regarding the count. And then I saw a really good meme also that I believe you saw that involved Mike Jones on the count. <laughs> yes, I did. Who? It was, uh, yes, uh, my, Mike Jones. Of okay. course, the Houston rapper, Sean. Uh, <laughs> I know back then you didn't want him, but now he's hot and you're all up on him. Um, yeah, this was Biden, 264, Trump, 214. Jones two eight one three three zero eight zero zero four. I mean, it's just brilliant, just brilliant. Thank you, interwebs, for your, uh, for your your light humor in these crazy times. I'm telling you, you need to make note of that because I I'm I'm giving you a hint. Nobody else. Well, unless hopefully our colleagues are also listening to this because I can guarantee you that that will come back up in an Alameda trivia. I'm just giving. Just because you are my podcasting partner, I'm trying to give you a leg up on our opponent for our competitive trivia that happens each week. Well, that's that is tremendous. Thank you for the heads up. I want. I saw one more uh, that I loved, and I was my sister lives in in uh, Las Vegas, outside of Las Vegas, and I sent her this one. Nevada has been texting five minutes away for an hour and hasn't even left the house. Yet. <laughs> So, um, Godspeed to all the election workers. Uh, they're working over the clock. You know, I've been in these these uh, these ballot count rooms uh, down at you know Central Count, and it is really where the action happens. I feel like America is just waking up to this now. And I I was watching various channels last night. I was amazed CNN was broadcasting live from inside the Fulton County Count Room. Well. I think they were just filming the people, the volunteers that were opening the the mail-in ballots. So, uh, but I thought it was a pretty, pretty a good good foil to you know the 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 uh, some of the narratives that have been put out there that that it's rigged. I mean, this is it looks to me as though uh, you know the wheels of democracy are turning, Sean, and and we'll just wait and see what happens. Well, that's what this really shows is that it is working. It is orderly. It doesn't have to happen overnight, literally, or now we've seen yeah. over two nights. And, you know, there are a lot of people working hard. I would have loved to have seen other counties, um, states, however it goes, to put out statements like the one that the county chairs, the party chairs for Dallas County Democrats and Dallas County Republicans put out, you know, urging people to be patient and calm. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that that's really what this is all about. And let's see what happens in the end. I was also had something interesting come across in my email today that for, for whatever reason, I didn't even think about, but I had an email from Facebook who does everything they can to make me open it. And I try not to, but on this one, 
It was from a Facebook friend of mine, Aaron Ford, who I went to Texas uh -huh. A&M with. And Aaron Ford is the attorney general in Nevada. And for some reason, you know, it just did cross my mind over the last two days to look and see what, what Aaron <laughs> Ford has been up to. And so he had posted a uh, interview that he had done with BBC, with the BBC about the count in Nevada and how it goes. Very, uh, very interesting interview, very timely and very informative about how the count process works and the secretary of state's role in that. And so, uh, you know, good to have a, a little inside look there from, from the attorney general. Yeah. I, I hope you uh, gave him a good whoop, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's a Kappa as well, you know, not my fraternity. Oh, First of all, service of all, we shall transcend all. But, we, we, you know, we give a lot of props to our Kappa brothers. Yeah. We had a good, uh, a good relationship with them down there and knew Aaron to be a good guy. But, yeah, it's been great watching him over the last few years serve the people of Nevada. Yeah. Well, that's good. You know, speaking of Nevada my, and my, my sister, she has been super amped. I'm, I'm proud of her. She got involved in the process this year more than I've ever seen. Now, she actually, she held an event when we were both in high school for, for then Governor Bush, soon to be President Bush, uh, in, in, uh, in early 2000. So, um, you know, she she got involved and has taken quite a bit of a hiatus, about twenty years from being super <laughs> involved in the process. But she is amped, and not unlike, um, it seems everybody across the country. You know, in in Dallas County, record turnout, uh, record turnout by the end of early vote, uh, and and it didn't stop from there. You know, uh, millions of new voters, and and I mean, there's millions of people moving into this state, but. Um, it seems like uh, the the fervor, and maybe it's just that there hadn't been just a whole lot of sports on TV, or I, I don't know what it is, but man. Yeah, we're all here. You know, we're all in, locked in on a lot of cases, and it's like, yeah. that's what we're that's what we're locked into. Yeah, so so it's interesting, but, uh, you know, the the uh, this was the first year, the first election cycle without one-punch voting, straight ticket uh, party voting. And so it, it seemed, Sean, if I can give you a little, just a, a dime store analysis, it seems like that helped Republicans, at least in the state legislature where uh, in the state house that a lot of, there are a lot of broken crystal balls right now because a lot of people thought that the deeds would flip the house and, uh, and not, to, not to be, uh, Republicans held on to the majority and Two seats. Uh, congratulations to our friend Morgan Meyer, uh, who who defended his his seat, um, and several several folks, uh, you know, across the DFW Metroplex, you know, in, in maybe not so shocking fashion, defended their seats. So, uh, just a, a crazy whirlwind. Uh, not you can't really compare it to anything else. Yeah, I, I think someone else who kept their seat who. Some folks thought may not was Representative Retta Bauer. So congratulations to her as well, Indeed, friend yeah. of ours who's um, held meetings with us and have been uh, been very upset with some of the things that we came across. So I think there were um, some surprises, but at the end of the day, it's just kind of <laughs> based on a lot of hard work from a lot of people, a lot of prognosticating. Uh, it, it pretty much things stayed about where they were before. 
So that's what that is. Well, we have an action-packed show today for our listeners, Sean. We are going to be joined by Terry Broussard-Williams, a a friend of ours, and uh, uh, we've worked with Terry on several several ventures in the past, so I'm excited to, to have her on. Yeah, Terry has been an, uh, an executive formerly with the American Heart Association, which is um, some, some work that she did with our firm. And then recently she was um, with one of our clients and we did uh, some work, you and I both, public affairs work with Terry and, and the client. And so, um, but in, in getting to know her, we got to see all of these other things that she's got going on outside of work, including um, having written a book this year, um, intimately involved in philanthropy and, and junior league and, and throughout the Austin area, she's known as a leader. And so, you know, I, I think really from early on when we started working with Terry, we talked about having her on the show. And I'm, I'm really excited about learning more about her journey, not just how she's gotten to this point, but also looking forward. Yeah. Uh, she is a, a good friend to our to you know has been a good friend to our firm. Uh, she's a great great lady. One of the best websites I've ever seen too, Sean. I encourage everybody to check out www.terrybwilliams.com. That's Terry T E R R I B Williams. Um, what's with you Williams folks when your your middle initials? We got Sean P Williams. We got Terry B Williams. So um, go to Terry B williams.com and uh, check it out. It's a really great website. A lot of amazing inspirational content and uh, a lot of smiles from Terry, which, you know, makes you want to get out there and start a movement. Uh, Very inspiring. And so I'm looking forward to this conversation. So let's take a quick break. Uh, And when we come back, we are going to be talking with Terry B. Williams. This is Sean Williams. Ryan Trimble, Deconstructing Dallas. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Sean, super fired up today. We have one of our friends and a former client, uh, but definitely a current friend, Terry Broussard Williams with us, the executive, lobbyist, public speaker, author. She does it all. Terry, welcome to the show. (laughs) Hello. Thank you all for having me. I I always say I do all the things with the hashtag, of course. (laughs) I love it. Well, Terry, we've gotten to know you, and I'm, I'm so glad uh, that, that we've had a chance to work with you. But uh, for our audience, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and where you're from and your family story. Yeah, I am a Louisiana girl through through and through. I grew up in Lafayette and found my way at the greatest institution on the planet, Louisiana State University. And from there, or during my time at LSU, I worked in a television newsroom and made my way to South Carolina to work in TV and had a quick stint in South Carolina serving as a news producer and then a nonprofit 
fundraiser for a little bit, and I found my way to a U.S. Senate campaign serving as press secretary. That was probably my most favorite job on the planet, um, just getting to tour a state and talking to people and learning about their needs. And then my boss lost in 2002, so I found my way back to Louisiana where I started a lobbying career and I've been lobbying ever since. Um, and so you hear all those things of, you know, television news, reporter, producer, you know, press secretary, now lobbyist. And it seems like it's just this never ending path. But for me, all the things connect I, at every juncture. I got to give people access to information so that they can make decisions for themselves and their community. And that's just a common thread that really explains everything about who I am and where I am today. You know, Terry, we got to, uh, or for sure, our firm got to know you through your time at the American Heart Association. And, um, you know, we know that you did some really significant work there. And so I'd, I'd just like to hear a little bit about your time there and, and, and your thoughts on, on that part of your career. Oh my gosh, I spent 16 years at the American Heart Association and it was an incredible journey. You know, a lot of people when they start a lobbying career or even when people hear of lobbyists, you know, they think of big, bad, you know, people that are just looking for, to make money for businesses. And right. some of that is true. You know, I've, I've gotten to do some of that in my career, but not all lobbyists, um, see the world through that lens. So my time at American Heart Association, not only did it let me really live out my core values and a lot of who I am, but it got my feet wet in so many different types of lobbying, what the two of you all do. So I got to understand ballot measures. I got to do work on city ordinances, got to work at state capitals in 14 different states. And, and so I just love how agile and, and quick it made me as a lobbyist. And a fun, fun fact, a little trivia here. A lot of people don't know this, but the American Heart Association has the third largest lobby team in the country. It's the AARA, the AARP, NRA, and the American Heart Association. And they lobby in all 50 states. That is a fun fact. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that, that's great. And, and as somebody um, who <laughs> appreciates the, the fine art of lobbying, and, and I have a lot of friends that are, that are lobbyists and, and former members and staffers, um, I, I think it's, it's uh, critical. And I know that you uh, have gotten a, a firm appreciation for policy and movement building. The other aspect, of course, through American Heart is philanthropy. And these are the three components that you uh, where you define your work, philanthropy, policy, and movement building. Can you tell us how these uh, work together and how you navigate these three areas? Oh, yes. Um, I, I truly believe those are three ways that we can create social movements for good. You know, we can either craft policy and hopefully we do it with great intention so it can be there for all the perpetuity. But then we can truly you know, give back and create movements by way of philanthropy and social impact. And then third, really, you know, mission building and creating followership so that there's something that people can do to support, amplify, or create a, their own movement. Those three things allow everyone to become a leader that will turn a moment into a movement. But when I go back to how I met everyone at Allen Media, 
it was, I believe it was like 2010, maybe, if memory serves me well, we were working on um, a policy issue that would allow all of Dallas's restaurants and bars to go smoke free. And so I think, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we were successful, but I think it's the perfect example to show how those three things come together. You know, so we were, we were lobbying policy to, to create change, but at the same time we were raising money to fuel that campaign issue and to keep it alive and to have ads in the paper and t-shirts for coalition members. And, and also in the realm of, of philanthropy, you know, being at the American Heart Association is a volunteer institution. We were including the volunteers in that effort. So they were at City Hall with us every single time, you know, knocking on doors, talking to city council members, handing out one pagers. And then for that third piece, mission building, you know, we were spreading the message of the Heart Association, sp- spreading the message of what it would be like if people didn't have to worry about their health or a paycheck and creating social change through, you know, the lens of social norms, you know. So I really think that when a lot of people feel like you maybe you can't really create change um, and do it from a place where all those are involved, that would be a perfect example. And again, it allows everyone to get in the game. Terry, you've been an executive at a major nonprofit. You've worked in large corporate environments also. So you know, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned uh, through your career uh, from your work? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to take it back to the newsroom. The first is always report facts. <laughs> <laughs> always report facts. Right. And it, it it's still so true in lobbying. But, you know, when a lawmaker asks you a question, you don't have the answer. You just say you don't know because it could tarnish your credibility. And no matter what we do in life, you know, if we are working at a nonprofit or corporation, or we are just hanging out at the soccer field, our credibility um, really is a key that can open many doors. The the third thing that I I will add is, you know, my my friends laugh at me all the time. And, And this is a true story. When I decided to become a lobbyist, I had never met one. And so a mentor of mine told me on election night, 2002, my boss just lost, you know, I was this kid that graduated from college in three years and always had a job and always had a plan and didn't have one. And so I looked at him and I was like, I have to call my parents tomorrow and I have to tell them I don't have a job and I don't have a plan. And he looked at me and he said, just go and be a lobbyist. You can do that. And I looked back at him and all I could think of was legally blonde too. So I said, like Elle Woods? (laughs) <laughs> you know, it was the only lobbyist I've met mm-hmm. until my first day at the Louisiana State Capitol. And to be very transparent, I hadn't been at the Capitol since with Great Field Trip. And so that third thing is just be yourself. So you all have been on conference calls where I've had my, you know, my ink pen with a pink fuzzy top. <laughs> and, you know, I wear, you know, pink to the Capitol on days when I need a power suit. And just I am myself. And so when you're yourself, you can speak from a place of confidence. You can speak from a place of consistency. And on your worst day, people know that you're real. And so they're going to accept you for who you are at face value. This is Deconstructing Dallas. We are talking with author, lobbyist, executive speaker, Terry Broussard-Williams. When we come back, we're going to talk about her new book, uh, talk a little bit about 
Movement Makers. So hang with us through the break. Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble, we'll be right back right after this. Does your family love mac and cheese? If your family is anything like mine, when dinner time rolls around, your little critters are banging down the pantry door for a box of that cheesy goodness. Well, we here at Deconstructing Dallas have just the thing for you. That's right, it's Wisconsin's finest organic mac and cheese. Wisconsin's finest is made with real Wisconsin cheddar cheese and organic pasta that will satisfy all your cravings. Whether you like white cheddar shells, classic mac and yellow cheddar, or my kids' favorite safari animal-shaped pasta, you can't miss with Wisconsin's Finest. Find your own box of Wisconsin's Finest by visiting walmart.com today and support this outstanding local Metroplex company. So what are you waiting for? Get your box of Wisconsin's Finest organic mac and cheese today and get ready to hear your family say... I love mac and cheese! Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We are joined today by our friend, Terry Broussard Williams. And before the break, we were chatting about um, movements and movement makers. And Terry, you said that your mission is to, quote, inspire others to create change. And you've issued calls to action for people to start their own movements. I wanted to really get at the heart of how you came up with this philosophy. I feel like there's a great story on your website. And for our listeners, please go to terrybwilliams.com, T-E-R-R-I-B-Williams.com. It's a great website. Congratulations. But you share this this story. Uh, you, you hinted this story about your grandparents and uh, raising their church back from the ashes. Uh, can you tell a little bit about that and then where where movement makers come from? Yeah. So earlier I shared how, you know, throughout my professional career, there's a common theme. When you share information with people, you know, you give them access so that they can make decisions. And I truly believe that if you give people that information, they will choose, again, they will choose to make decisions that are best for themselves and their community. And so when I really thought about my own lobbying career, you know, again, I didn't have a pedigree. I had only been to a capital fifth fifth grade field trip before my first day at work. And that that probably like terrifies everyone at the Texas Capitol because Texas is such an institution where you, you know, you grow up there. 
but I really felt that anyone could be a leader that could turn a moment into a movement. And I truly learned that lesson from my family. You know, community service is my DNA. I grew up every Saturday, my mother, her sorority sisters, my sorority sisters now, you know, handing out milk and cookies and punch. I would, that was my task while they taught children how to read. And, you know, so I just always saw the world through a lens of how might I give back. But going back to the story about my grandparents, they did not have much, you know, on both sides of my family, neither grandparent had beyond a middle school education. We're talking about, you know, growing up in Southwest Louisiana during a time of segregation. Yet they always were able to give back. And my grandparents, my mother's parents, did have a car they could afford to have a car but they might not always take that car because you know it costs money to put gas in the tank but for the longest time they would watch families just walk on the side of the road for you know five six miles to get to church so they along with a couple of neighbors said you know how might we raise a church in our community the neighborhood called truman louisiana and so they did just that you know i say the cafeteria manager and the school janitor became church builders and about 10 years ago, almost 11, the church burned down. And so my family teases, it was a month after I got engaged. I'm an LSU Tiger. I got engaged to a, a University of Texas basketball player. They're like, you know, you're not supposed to mix school conferences. <laughs> so the church burns down and my parents then step up and say, if not us, then who? who will continue the legacy of building this this movement and so my my mother and my father got very engaged my father led the capital campaign he made sure the church stayed on budget that the operations were on point you know everything was happening and, and so you know i was so reminded again that anyone could build a movement but i was i'm also reminded every time i walk through the doors of that church that the movements we create, the legacies that we build, they are not for us, right? They're not even for everyone that we know. They're for the people that we don't know. So just three months after the church doors opened, we buried my father in that church. And, you know, so truly the people that got to enjoy that church, the people he never knew. Terry, you know, I know that there are more inspiring stories like that in your new book, Find Your Fire, Stories and Strategies to Inspire the Changemaker Inside You. As Ryan has um, alluded to, people on this, listening to this podcast definitely need to check out your website. They can learn a little bit more about your book, which I learned some things even that you've gone through through uh, through this period of time, including tank changing jobs and getting a master's degree, getting hit by a sofa and suffering a traumatic <laughs> yeah. So a lot of things that have happened to you, but I, you know, I want our listeners to to know about your book and uh, and you know maybe some of the takeaways they can get from from uh, reading it. Yes, oh my gosh, writing this book was such a labor of love. I was in school working on my master's at the University of Pennsylvania, and decided to go back to just to double down on theories that are tied to you know social change and spent some time serving as a teaching fellow there. I, I love that institution so much um, and did get hit in the head by a sofa. I was literally lobbying <laughs> at, 
<laughs> during the Congressional Black Caucus and was at a legislative reception when a man thought his cell phone was underneath the sofa. And it was one of those, you know, like, this was in D.C. D.C. And it was one of those sofas that they bring in for an event. And so he picked it up. And I tell everyone, I, didn't, I knew I was short. I'm 5'2", but I did not know how short 5'2 was. A man raised a sofa over my head. <laughs> but it, it hit me, and I was out of work for a very long time. And it was during that time that I just felt um, just felt this calling that I needed to learn something new. I needed to do something different. And that was when I made the switch to corporate lobbying in the tech sector. Wanted to do it because I feel like technology is a way that we can really change people's lives and create generational wealth. And I'm so happy I did it. I learned so much over the last year. But I was writing a book throughout all of this. So the book, as it started, definitely changed over the last couple of months I worked on it. So I, I tell everyone, if you truly are looking to find your fire, you got to get a little pun in. But don't know how you want to do it. Or you might need that little booster shot just to feel like you, you have all the tools and you can do it. It's the perfect book for you. I created what I call the fire starter formula, which are just four C's, finding your cause, building a collective of people that can help you achieve your goal, communicating and serving as a cultural ambassador for the movement that you want to move, and then really doing the work, which is creating the change and using that lens to help you create any type of movement that you want. And, and so I, I, really tell people there are different ways that you can be part of movement building. You might choose to build a movement. We need people that, you know, they see things that others ignore and they take action and they create change. But we also need people that can support movements. So every time, you know, you like something or tweeted something or donated to an elected official during this last cycle, you were supporting that person's movement because individuals can be movements on their own. They don't always have to be, you know, fighting at City Hall for a smoke-free Dallas. And then you can amplify movements, you know. So there's this beautiful story about a, a woman named Lori Frazina. She called me because her friend, Julia Major, was running for city council in Boston. And so I got on the phone with Julia because Lori was amplifying Julia's story and wanted me to meet with her and donate it to Julia. And just kind of forgot that she was running for office and forgot about it. A couple of weeks later, I got a phone call from Julia thanking me for that donation and saying she won by one vote. You know, had Laurie not amplified that message, maybe that one person wouldn't have voted. So we, we talk about all these types of things in Find Your Fire. And I end the book with some actual worksheets in the toolkit uh, so that people can get started on the change that they want to see. Terry, I, I love hearing your passion and I keep hearing a theme about uh, elections and campaigns coming up. I, like you, am a recovering uh, statewide campaign staffer. So I, I know I know the struggle and I know you know what, what a life-changing experience that can be. But for me, what I met, took out of my experience on a statewide campaign was the people I got to meet and have still kept in touch with to this day. What what individuals have inspired you to embark upon this journey of creating change makers, whether it be from that campaign or, or other uh, adventures you've yeah. had? Definitely my parents. <laughs> you know, my parents, my grandparents, they 
my mom still goes to city hall and like sits through city council meetings just because, <laughs> you know, like she walks the streets in Lafayette, Louisiana with the sheriff, you know, helping with community policing just because. So I, again, really, it's in my DNA. But I've just met some incredible humans along the way. My boss, when I worked on that campaign, was Alex Sanders. He was a judge. He was a state representative. He was a college president. Just this incredible human, you know, and had all the money in the world. But when we were on the campaign trail, he's like, I'm going to take you all to dinner. And the first time I was like, oh, yes. We stopped at a gas station and got hot dogs. <laughs> you know, so people like that. And after my own heart for a hot dog. Yes. Right. <laughs> but, you know, this man with such accolades remains humble, you know, um, and taught those lessons, extended those lessons and that grace to us. Um, one female that I just adore so much is a federal judge in Columbia, South Carolina, Michelle Childs. I met her when I just moved to Columbia and I didn't have, I moved there not knowing anyone, a single person. And she just took me under her wing, you know, and took me to every event in town, let me plan her wedding <laughs> because she saw potential in me that I didn't see in myself. And, you know, her point was you, if you can organize something like a wedding, then those are still skills that one, you could sell if you ever need it. And two, you can plan any philanthropy philanthropic event in a community. And sometimes those connections will get you to your next job. Terry, we, um, well, I just started following you on Twitter. And so now <laughs> you're going to have to be able to see my tweets and Ryan, he'll be there too. And you'll get to see all the crazy stuff we tweet, but how can our listeners uh, find you on social media? Um, you know, if they want to learn more about you, what's the way to connect? Sure. I, Love me some Instagram. It's where I like to put out, you know, my, I say Skittles and unicorns and sunshine on Instagram. Lots of inspirational quotes is at Terry with an I, B Williams. Um, same thing on Twitter. I feel like Twitter's my diary. You know, like I'm just going to put out some random things like today I'm day one of a juice cleanse. I am tired, y'all. You know, <laughs> that's, my, that's a real tweet. You know, And on LinkedIn, I put out a lot of content that is more geared towards um, the work that you might do, you know, some, some skills and tools that you need. And there's sprinkles along on Facebook as well. But pretty much you can find me at Terry B. Williams across all platforms. Well, Terry, we're certainly grateful for you coming on the show today and uh, look forward to keeping up with all the the fires that you're going to inspire and ignite. Thank you all. I, you know, we, we talked a little bit about that we've been working together. We have for the past couple of months and I've just been, you know, so inspired by how you all show up every single time. You always come with energy. You always come with new information and there's, you always bring integrity to the table. So I hope you keep deconstructing Dallas for a very long time and helping people accomplish their own social movements for good. Thank you. And we're going to actually take this little clip and send it to our bosses right after this too. Yeah. Checks in the mail. Thank you, Terry. Well, we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. This is deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Stick with us.
Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble, and I am so glad we had a chance to talk to our good friend Terry Williams and feel inspired and ready to go to ready to go to make some change. Yeah, what a neat, neat person. I'm so glad we got her to uh to come on the show with us. And so uh be sure go on, get your copy, find your fire. Uh, you can find it on Amazon.com. Find your fire stories and strategies to inspire the change maker inside you. Paperback, $17.99. Get on it. Kindle, $3.99, Sean. Kindle, come on. Follow her on Twitter, Terry B. Williams. I mean, like you said, it's kind of, you know, Sean P. Williams, Terry B. Williams. You know, you got, you put that initial in there, you know that probably it's going to be you and yours. So, you know, follow Terry on Twitter, and I'm glad that we've added her as, as one of the folks that we interact with. Um, Ryan, we got um, a lot of football action, but, man, this is the point in the season, in the college football season, where we as Aggie fans get super nervous because our team uh, is looking good. Uh, we haven't necessarily played the tip-top best competition, and yet, you know, we did play – the number two team in the nation, and we have played Florida, who is right up there. So um, upcoming games against South Carolina and Tennessee could put us in a pretty good position. Just win, baby. That's what I'm talking about, Sean. You get, you can only play who's on your schedule, so just go out and win them. Uh, kind of like – You've got to just, just, just win and just beat the teams you play. Like it's not our – last year we had one of the toughest schedules in the country playing yeah. Clemson – and Georgia and Alabama, I believe we all had last year. And this year, you know, we we play who we play. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, you know, I I probably beat you over the head with it. I mean, SMU has Memphis, Cincinnati, Navy, and Houston all at home this year. So uh, it's too bad that the stands are only at 25% capacity because it was looking like it was going to shape up to be probably the – Best uh, attendance year in Gerald J. Ford History Stadium uh, with all those games at home, but yeah, you just gotta uh, you just gotta win. Who's on the on the schedule? SMU got back to their winning ways last week against Navy, and uh, they play at Temple. You up for a little brunch football, Sean? It's an eleven a.m. kickoff. Man, I, I like that because you know my day starts on Saturdays with you know, the Home Depot <laughs> game day on ESPN, you know, and I, I watch those guys make their predictions and then I go right into that 11 o'clock game. Unfortunately, too many times it was a really bad Big Ten game. I was going to say, I thought this was uh, I thought this was reserved for uh, Indiana, Illinois, right, Northwestern, right. Rutgers. I thought that was a Big Ten game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get – the ponies at 11 because while I'm like doing my sweeping or loading the dishwasher, you know, I, it'll, I'll have a good game on in the background. Well, uh, time slot or not, uh, we'll be, we'll be ponying up here, of course, as per usual in the Trimble household and then, uh, sending out a good vibe for you and our Aggie friends, uh, at Allen media. Yeah. And has got, um, South Carolina on the road this week at 6 p.m. And then on the next week, we will be at Tennessee. So back-to-back road games in the SEC. Um, can't count on any of those, regardless of what the records are. 
And South Carolina is like our yearly annual SEC right. East rival. So um, yeah. getting very familiar with those guys, but hopefully we can pull off those two wins. And then after that is Mississippi. So, I mean, you know, let's, let's go eggs. You just never know. You just never know, sir. Well, good luck to you, Aggie faithful. And good luck to the ponies. And good luck to you, our listeners. We appreciate you for tuning in and listening to our uh, former client, but current friend, Terry B. Williams. Uh, Make sure to check her out on Twitter. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. He is rtremble 15 on Twitter, I am Sean P. Williams, S-H-A-W-N P. Williams, and um, we will be back really quickly with another another episode. Next week, we'll be uh, chatting about Deep Ellum, so make sure you tune in for that, um, and make sure you tell your friends, your families, your loved ones, your coworkers, tell them about Deconstructing Dallas, um, shoot them a text, tell them how great the music is, tell them um, how friendly your friends are. Sean and Ryan are and how much we want to get to know you and follow you on social media so uh, but also tell them to give us five stars and leave a review on uh, wherever you get your podcast platforms Uh, our research says that most of you are on Apple Podcasts but if you're on uh, Spreaker or if you're on Stitcher or if you're on Spotify you know leave us a review like us give us a heart all that good stuff too so uh, we want to thank our owners we want to thank Mary Woodleaf. We want to thank Jennifer Pascal. We want to thank MZ Studios for and Michael Zavala for all that you do to help us put this podcast together. We want to thank our colleague Samantha Matthews for her help um, as well. And we want to thank, thank all of our colleagues at Alamedia. So tune in for the next episode of Deconstructing Dallas. But until then, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble, adios. Adios.